Greetings and welcome to the Listen to Your First Steps podcast. I'm Kojo Bafu, and this podcast is an extension of my book by the same name. In the book, Listen to Your Footsteps, I share in a collection of essays, anecdotes, and poems some of the lessons life has taught me on lost identity, fatherhood, work, and everything in between. Having also worked in various parts of the media, one of the things I've always appreciated has been the opportunity to get a peek into the paths that other people have taken. This podcast is an opportunity for me to continue to learn from others, but also share with you the wisdom that they have gained on their journey. So firstly, thank you for opening yourself up to this. Let's get going into this episode. My guest is a man who was actually MC at my wedding. Yusuf Joby Razdin is a comedian, actor, and writer who was part of a new young generation of comedians who laid the foundation for what stand-up comedy is in South Africa today. I chat to him about how he got into the industry, his struggles with depression in these trying times, as well as fatherhood. Thank you for coming onto the podcast, Mr. Razdin. Ah, thank you, Gojo Basso. <laughs> What's a day in the life of Joey Razdin like right now? Right, oh, re- yeah, right now is, yeah. Um, I think because uh, I had a bout of depression. Okay. Uh, a huge bout of depression. Um, and yeah, so basically, it's trying to start over, I think. Yeah. Start so over not going to the... I, yeah. I'm not going to go into the reasons why I yeah. had, yeah, but oh, it's for obvious reasons, COVID and business not doing well and I'm empty nest now because my son is gone to Cape Town, he's studying at UCT and I don't see my daughter as often as I want to for various mm-hmm. reasons and we're not going to get into that, but yeah, I mean, so that is where I'm, so in a day, so if, if I must be honest, yeah. um, I wake up. Sometimes I have breakfast. Sometimes I don't have breakfast. Uh, I then go to gym. Um, sometimes I jump. Sometimes I don't jump. I'm just there. Uh, and then I come back and maybe I'll read a little bit and then I'll write a little bit. And yeah, and then if I have a gig, um, which is very rare, uh, I'll go do the gig. But yeah, that's the day in, in, in my life now. So what's interesting for me with you is, so I mean, you're a, you're a, in essence a Joburg person. I mean, it, it, often right. fe- it often feels like there's very few actual Joburg people because the rest of us just come from elsewhere. Yes, it's 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 ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. People like you and your housey house partner, because I see you call you call each other that now. <laughs> my housemate. Um, yeah, it's not, your housemate um, is not from Joburg. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of the few people that actually grew up. In, no, no, no. There's lots of people that grew up in Joburg, but mm. I think I'm one of, yeah, in, in the industry that yeah. we were in. Yeah. So what, what was growing so, up like? I mean, what, what, what was it that you wanted to do when you grew up? So uh, there was two things that I really wanted to do. One was play cricket for South Africa. <laughs> um, that was like on my heart. Um, and I, I guess if I was growing up like Hakim, my son was growing up, I probably would have played for South Africa. Mm. But because I didn't, yeah, because I went to a different school. Uh, like we don't want to speak about the past, but the recent um, hearings that CSA had just showed you how what a disadvantage we were at at the time, actually. Mm. So to get as far as we got was testament to our talent. So it was cricket, and what was the other one? 
And the other one was uh, I wanted to become an imam. Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah, like I wanted to become a, a religious uh, leader, basically. And then you go from that to which I don't know if a lot of people know about you, but you go from from that to ending up as what a financial advisor, <laughs> a financial as, as finance. Yes. Then I went into finance. So well, also by mistake, I went into finance because I went to a university and then I studied BSc and then I failed, failed, failed. <laughs> then I failed badly. <laughs> and then I started BCom and then it was round knocks and then I did um, CFP. Um, uh, I start, worked at Alexander Forbes and then I, um, I went to this place called Pumbo Farm where they headhunted these people. And then they gave us money um, to basically study because CFP was kind of new at the time mm. and nobody knew what it was. And, and, and it wasn't like um, FICA registered at the time. And so the financial landscape changed in terms of who could give advice and who could uh, invest money and stuff. So then I landed up there and I, yes, I hated it. My goodness. Yo, I, I, I hated it. So, and then I, and then I, um, and in that time, you all obviously know I met B. Um, and then in that time I got married and then B was like, no, bra, rather go do this other thing, the stand up thing that you love so much. Um, and then that's when I realized that I actually love stand up more than anything else. I mean, you, you were part of kind of an era where all of these things were literally just starting up. Um, yes. It, it wasn't, uh, I mean, we, we, we were stand up in terms of internationally, but within the South African market, um, there were, there were like one or two guys, but even the one or two guys were, were trying to find their way through this thing. I mean, I, I remember people like, you know, David Gow coming and performing at Poetry Nights because yes. that was, I was going to say that. That was the one, the one place you could actually jump on a stage. Uh, so, yes. how do you go from you know how do you, how do you go from sitting relatively comfortable? I mean, yes, you hated it, but you looked good in your pinstripe suits and and everything else. But <laughs> yeah, I used to remember that. Yeah, no, I still remember that. But how do you go from the stability of that to going? Do you know, I'm going to try out in a space that there are no reference points for you. You know, my mother used to say, you become like the people you hang out with. So if you lay with the dogs, you're going to catch flies. So luckily for me, at the time, my friends was always um, these positively out people that looked at the world differently, including you. Um, so you looked at the world differently. So that pinstripe suit and stuff was like the way I grew up. Oh, wow. That was the measure of success. The measure of success wasn't your internal happiness. It was um, outside factors, what car you drove, what clothes you wear. Um, so it wasn't within. And that what B taught me valuable lessons when it came to that. Um, and that's why I did stand up. And luckily for me, uh, David was there and Kahiso and Riyadh and Chris Forrest and Luiso. So we all saw the world basically the same and we all had this ultimate goal to start some sort of industry in South Africa yeah. that specifically catered for the non-white market. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, at it the makes time, perfect sense. Because there, I mean, there, the there was we were, nobody. Mm, mm. And also at the time, our audiences was white. So if you're going to perform, 
you're going to perform with Mia Muller and John Lismus and Joe Parker and Barry Hilton and all the all, the whole audience members was white brasser. Yeah. Um, and and then that's why David did Blacks Only and and so forth. And then obviously, as we are now, 20 years later, 20 years later, Kojo. Wow. 20 years later, now we're in a space where um, there is world famous comedians that um, we were part of giving a platform to. And that's something that I think we should be proud of. Yeah, and kid, I mean, the kids are looking at the space and going, okay, this is an avenue for me. Whereas before, yes. you know, it's if I want to enter the industry here, one of the things that are available to me. Yes. And with TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all those, you don't even need a stage. So you'll see some 17 year old that's making comedy videos and sketches on TikTok. Um, and they're making more money than a normal comedian, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's, so what's hap- what happened was, I think, um, just to give uh, uh, some sort of context is that before there wasn't an industry when I came in and then we um, tried and I think we succeeded to create an industry and now there is an industry. So now it's on to the next one. So I think the next big um, mission for us uh, I know David Kao and Kahiso specifically is to create a South African movie industry where we can compete with the likes of Bollywood and Nollywood. But we won't now because we don't have the same buying power. Yeah. But in terms of quality, in terms of quality uh, um, and producing um, pictures uh, that can um, compete on a world level, I think that's our next goal. How did you approach so when it people, when you... Yeah, sorry, yeah? So when people go, oh, I want to watch a South Korean movie, um, they go, ah, they're going to get quality. Similarly, mm-hmm. if you're going to say, I want to watch a South African movie, they must go, ah, we're going to get quality. What was, that, uh, what was that journey into stand-up like in terms of like the craft of it? Because it's, it's, it's one thing to be funny, right? <laughs> it's one thing to be funny, yeah. uh, but to do as a starting point stand-up, it's there's a craft involved it's not just the you know it's not just the i'm I'm a funny guy so i'm gonna go and 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 do this thing so what was that journey like especially in those early days when you guys were all crafting and trying to find your space within it so the i think in the early days it was easy for us because one we didn't know actually what we were capable of or we didn't know the craft behind it so all you do is you go on stage and you hone that craft mm. later in life you come like you like if you're going to write a poem for instance then you're going to have to have a subject then you're going to have to have an observation and then you're going to have to match that observation the subject with your internal feeling so um it's just a storytelling um, and and the way you tell the story, then you then um, get to the nitty gritty of ah, this is going to make people laugh, and this is going to make not be is not going to make people laugh. But when we started, we didn't know what is going to make people laugh or not. We didn't mm-hmm. know. It was just one of those things where you go and you express how you feel. And now, funny enough, ironically enough, I just go on stage and express how I feel now. So um, at the beginning, it was just a cathartic experience. And then in the middle, it was honing the craft and understanding um, the mechanisms and understanding the audience and understanding 
what you can say and what you can't say and all and then now it's back to where we started for me yeah. where i just go on stage and it's a cathartic experience i mean it, well the one thing about you is that you a lot of people there's there's like two layers to there's two layers to your to your stand-up in particular um and a lot of people would catch on to your personality and then you have the big afro and your tone and your mannerisms and people catch on to that and lose and 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 actually miss the the layers beneath it yes and 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 that counted for me for a long time um because uh, i don't know it it was a unintentional gimmick because people think ah yes this clown and then what comes out of the clown's mouth is a bit dissonant to them and then they go oh wow we have to take note now of what he's saying and then you and then it allowed me that gimmick allowed me to speak about um certain things that uh i wouldn't normally speak about like evolution and like so you it's easier to become irreverent when you have such a persona because then it it gets passed off like ah he's just a clown guy but then yeah. when they think about it then they go oh wow i didn't think about it that way and that ultimately is the master of stand up that's why dave chapel is like one of the best stand ups ever mm. because he mastered that craft where you go where he goes on stage not only is he funny but he go you go oh my goodness i can't believe he said that but i can see why for instance and it's also i mean it's, it's that, at the end of the day it's social commentary i mean that's why i was i always enjoyed for example like chris rock it's like it's making yeah. you think about it's making you think yes. about life in general if if you allow yourself yes. to be reflective um you yes. will realize that there's a lot more in there than just the okay it's funny yes so that's the whole point of stand up i think is that um to be reflective so that society can see and 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 feel and hear what they thinking so if a, if a, if you uh, i i normally judge a successful gig by not how many people laugh but how many people was enthralled and in my brain wave and mm. in my um, stream of thought so you don't have to laugh if you in the stream of thought if you on the boat and then we go on this journey together that is how i normally judge a successful stand up um performance um so i like to watch certain guys because i love going on a journey with them then you get other guys that's just extremely funny but there's yeah. no journey it's just Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? So that's why I like Shapiel because he takes you on a journey. Chris Rock takes you on a journey. Whereas guys like um certain um British comics which is extremely famous and extremely funny don't necessarily take you on that journey. And even those ones like Eddie Izzard and Ricky Gervais they still take you on a journey but it's a what's this word a controversial journey perhaps. Yeah. So um and then you get obviously the 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 the, the slapstick ones the ones that just like like Kevin Hart for instance which he, I love and I, I but I can't watch him because he, he doesn't take me on that journey yeah. <laughs> Do you and understand I, but it's funny yeah, I, but the stuff I, I, he says is funny No I mean I agree I agree with you and I've always leaned more towards towards the ones that do make me think that do make me even if I'm laughing but also kind of take a pause Um and I've never yes. I've never I've never really enjoyed 
uh, I've never really enjoyed the, you know, the slapstick side of it. And I mean, I think, you yeah. know, like I collect, I mean, I collect stand-up comedy DVDs. I still have a whole bunch of them, but it's, I guess, by nature of also our personalities, like you're going to yes. lean, you're going to lean towards what makes sense for you. And, and it's beautiful that there's, there are multiple people available regardless mm. of what you're interested in. Yes. Like for instance, one of my favorite comics ever of all time is Stephen Wright. And Stephen Wright doesn't, he's ju- he just have one line, basically yeah. the whole show. Like his entire show is just made out of one liners. And that is brilliant. That craft, that is a, because I can still speak and use my personality and my mannerisms to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Stephen Wright has to have a punchline all the time. Mm. And I sometimes don't have punchlines, you know, yeah. <laughs> I sometimes speak. Um, and yeah, so one of my favorite comics of all time is Stephen Wright. Yet he doesn't take you on a journey. Uh, well, I think the, the journey is once you leave, right? So yes. with him, it's, it's down the line, one of the lines. Yes kind of comes back yes. and you're like, or something happens and you're like, oh, yes, that's what yes. it was. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Like, you know, because he was the first guy to speak about a revolving door uh, slamming you, for instance. Like, sure. he, like, he, like all the, all these Facebook things about Chuck Norris and mm-hmm. Chuck Norris, it's invariably, it was invariably Stephen Wright's um, comedy back in the day in a, in a, a late 70s, early 80s. Invariably. It's like, oh, it's just being well honed into today's world. Like, for instance, you send an SMS from uh, Telcom Telephone, for instance. Like, Stephen Wright would um, come up with stupid shit like that and you crack up. Like, ah, my goodness. Like, I wanted to put a skylight in my apartment, but the people upstairs wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. Did you like? My goodness, this guy. Yeah, you know. Um, there was. I, I went into the office and this girl had two thirty po- thirty eights pointed at me, and then she took out the guns. <laughs> like, like it, it, so, so, so that I think, I think. Um, w- what I loved about that is it's it takes you. It's escapism. That's it. Yeah, escapism. So you get, I think, um, you get certain comics that is escapisms. Like if you look, if you watch Kahiso, and then it's like an escapism. If you watch um, Loiso and and David, it's like a social commentary. Um, you know, if you watch me, it's storytelling uh, and and just being irreverent on the journey. So and in South Africa, it's been like that. If you watch Mashabela, Mashabela is that escapism. You know, and then if you watch Skumba, and then, then Skumba is escapism and um, uh, uh, commentary together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, and, and our comedy evolved, and I'm proud that we, we, we've been part of it like that. And, and then from there, you kind of expanded into, into let's say, acting, writing for screen. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a plan, or was it just uh, this is the opportunity? I was just- Opportunities that are yeah, it was none of it was planned. It was just like here's an opportunity. Oh, do you want to be part of this movie? Do you want to write this? Do you want to do this? Can you do that? So it's like up until today, 
and I need to write. I need to write a book. But um, up until today, I still don't like writing. I still don't like. So if you come with the script and I read it and then I can go, ah, this, this and this can change and this, this and this can change. And this protagonist is not um, powerful enough and this antagonist mm-hmm. is a bit weak and stuff. So in, that, in terms of that, I like that. But in terms of me sitting down and writing a scene, ah, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so what do you That's consider? Odd. I mean, uh, what do you consider yourself? Like, if, if I people ask me, I always struggle. Is like, what do you do? Like, what do you consider yourself? So I consider myself as a comedian first and foremost. I consider okay. myself as a person that can change people's social perceptions, and I have this responsibility to be able to impart certain messages in a funny way um, and leave people. Um, better for it and mm. that's what I consider myself as always have been and I always will because that is a huge responsibility unfortunately and as you know for the first time in my life um, the cliche about comedians is the most depressed people on earth mm. for the first time in my life I can understand why people say that because the our, our, our um, healing process and uh, uh, getting over that was always used on stage. And mm. once the stage is not there, there, and then you can't heal yourself, basically. So the energy that you have built up, you can't release it. And yeah, now I, I and then you understand why Robin Williams was in a place where he was. Um, now you can understand why Jim Carrey is painting now, because mm. that's his new outlet. So yeah. So now I understand the psychology behind the cliche that comedians is normally the most depressed people on earth. And it's true, actually. So what's your, I never I've, thought about what's your next outlet? I mean, what, how do you see it? Because the reality is that we're living in a world where there's, we're totally surrounded by uncertainty, right? We don't know, right. we don't know what next year is going to look like. We don't know what two, three years is going to look like. I mean, forget, like, we don't know what next week is going to look like. Yes. So, so, so my next outlet, and I think you will um, kind of relate to it, is um, how do I, as a father and as a person, make um, my kids' life uh, better? And how do I support them in becoming the best they can be? And that is basically the next outlet, the next goal. Like, how do I... Um, as a father, help my kids or be an example to my kids that the world is changing. It's not the way we saw the world. Because you know, when we were growing up, our parents always used to say, yo, this world is different. The world is different. Now I can confidently <laughs> say to my kids, the world is different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh? Yeah, you, you know, when your parents is like you were growing up and your parents like, yo, when in our time, we didn't have this and in our time, we didn't have that. Now, then you thought, ah, my parents are just making up this thing. Now I can actually prove to them. Look here, let's go Google 1994, what happened there? And then the proof is there, how different it is. Um, and, and that, so, so what tools... Um, do I give my kids like I, like for instance um, your son plays basketball and he does music and how are you going to 
Um, yeah, steer him. Oh, yeah. But how are you going to be the bow? So yeah. that he can be the arrow. How are you going to be the stability of that bow? So, because so, I always... So, I was thinking about this yesterday, right? So, my son has a, a an assignment for English, right? Right. Uh, and, uh. Um, and I think you're the best person to talk about this because of the journey that you've gone through, right? So, mm-hmm. he has this assignment for English. This is grade uh. 8. So, he's 14 years old. But the assignment is there are three cell phone companies. They all want right. you to be a brand ambassador. You right. must decide which one you're going to go with on the basis of their advertising. You must Don't. then com- you must then compare their advertising, right? Uh, yeah. To justify your decision uh, yeah. using using advertising principles, and then you must write a so you must do research and annotate this research and then you must write a blog post as to why you chose that specific brand and i was sitting there and i was sitting there and i was going this is 14 year old this is grade eight english like this is that's that's yeah but that's preparing him for the world in a way that even i who reads a lot of stuff goes Okay, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, that's that's like Vega second year, second year Vega. It's like by the time you get out of school, is a is a thesis. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll give you an example for Akim to get into university for art. Um, he had to do a thing on hashtags, on on, on a hashtag and the paintings on hashtags, mm. and you would appreciate this. Um, you would appreciate this um, a lot. Uh, so. This is the start. That's a self-portrait. Okay. That's that's the hashtag. Hashtag. That's Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and this is oil on canvas. So this wow. is the start. And then, and then you move on, and then you see how you lose yourself. So you lose yourself by uh, not being yourself. Yeah, because listeners, listeners, listeners can't see, but I mean, it, it, in essence, it's a, the first picture is the self-portrait with within the little social media handles. But then the next yes. is a series of, in essence, portraits where the skin, in essence, the skin is dripping off because you lose, like you're saying, you lose yourself. Yeah, man, that's, that's another level of thinking. Like I, I spend a lot of time thinking about stuff, but that's a, a whole nother level because it ends literally with just a skeleton and, and the yes, colors. And I mean, it, I'm, I'm looking at the colors and the colors are the colors of the different social media platforms. Yes. And, and, and it's been, it was done on oil on canvas and he wrote a whole book on it. A whole, like a whole book on on this thing, but this is he didn't include this, but this is my favorite one, where he basically says that we all just become clowns. clowns. Yeah, <laughs> picture of a clown. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast, conversations with Africans who are navigating this world on their own terms while trying to live life to the best of their ability. So, coming back to that English um, um, 
for a 14 year old, I can see, I can see how that happens because the stuff, I know your daughter also, the stuff that they speak about and the stuff that they ask you, you're like, no, me. Yeah, there's this thing called Google. Please leave me out of this. <laughs> I mean, look, you, leave me out of this. I think to a certain extent, how, I mean, how did you, how did you handle it? Because I mean, B passed away and you, mm. you were now one building a career in, in a new space. And at the same time, having to raise this young boy who has lost his mm. mother. Um, and, yes. and navigating your own emotions, navigating your own loss, and also just trying to ensure that you create a foundation for him to, you know, to like, I mean, I lost my mother as a child. And I, and, and one of the things that I learned was like, you carry it with you in weird way, but you know, at least I look at my father, like my father raised me and I always, I've always looked at you and gone, you know, I think Hakim is lucky to have had also a father who was, who was, who said, I'm going to do the best that I can. Yes. So that's all we can do. Um, I can tell you this, the, the heartache and the depression when B passed away is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to the heartache and the depression I felt in the past two weeks, say, say three months, mm. nothing. Um, and, and, and the ironic thing is, is that it was, it's out of my hands. Whereas with B, you know, um, for people, the listeners that don't know, so Kojo knows me for a very long time and he knows B and B was sickly. So yeah. B needed a heart transplant. So when she passed on, it was more of a relief because I couldn't take the suffering anymore. Mm. Like I couldn't take, uh, suffer anymore. I couldn't take that. Um, we have to go to the... Uh, a mall in a wheelchair with her in an oxygen tank. Mm. Like at the time, at the time it felt normal. At the time it felt normal for me to sleep in the hospital. It felt normal for me to, you, you know, so at the time you don't see that. But looking back, you're like, yo, uh, I made through that. But it's still not as, um, maybe I was young that time. Maybe I had Akeem that time. Right now, Akeem, like for instance, says to me the other day, yo, dad, I got a new job. If you need money, just I'll send you some money. <laughs> He's 19. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's 19, staying in Cape Town at university. And, 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 and that way, because it's an it's a ironic thing, because you're proud of your child, but it makes you feel insufficient. If, mm. that, if that makes yeah. It's like an oxymoron. Yeah, like you, you're so proud of him, and he's doing so well. And then, but then, in the same time, you feel like you, I failed as a father, type vibe. At the same you time, know? but it's and, but it's testament to the fact that you, because you've raised this child, right? I mean, yes. Like from yes. when he was what five, six years old, four, right? So from when he was four, yeah. the reason why he's sitting at nineteen years old and being able to say that is because uh, of everything that you have done since then. Yes. But, now I, mean, the unfortunate I, I, but I, I get I get the like there's the rational and the logical that says yeah. I did all of this. But there's yeah. what's like in the heart, like in the quiet places, um that's illogical, right? 
but it, it's it's exactly. no, but it's no less real. You, you see, that's why I love speaking to you all the time, Koji, because you understand. So that is a, a conflicting emotion in me. It's mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, so you, on the one end, you're proud. And on the other end, you have to remind yourself, like, yo, why is my son actually offering me money? I'm supposed to buy him a car, basically. So, you know, you, yeah. So, so, when I, so when I worked on my book, um, one of the things that I wrote about is, so my father's last couple of years, um, mm. hopefully, hopefully this makes you feel slightly better. But mm. my father's last couple of years, we would, I would phone him and mm. I, I'd do a little work somewhere and I'd be like, listen, mm. um, I'm transferring, here's five grand. I'm transferring yeah. five grand, right? Because that's yeah. all I could afford. And then you find like a couple of weeks later, he's also done something uh, because we're both in extreme debt, right? So he's also like done a little, done a little gig somewhere. And you'd be like, listen, um, I'm just going to, it wasn't even a, do you need or how much do you need? It was just like, when I've got, I'm going to cut you a slice. And when you've got, you're going to cut me a slice. Um, Ah. And and after my father passed away, one of the weird so one of the things that I take pride in is that he was not perfect. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But, but I was there, you know, let's call it to the end. So I knew yeah. that when he did support, I supported him. And when I needed support, yeah. he supported me. Because yeah. also when they grow older, it becomes very weird because we start to become the parent and they start to become the child in some instances. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I feel that already. I feel so that the you guys already laying the foundation for that, and you, and you're both still young. <laughs> yes, I feel that already. Yeah, you you know, I even feel that with my daughter. Like my daughter, um, helps me helps me um, through emotional because um, I haven't worked for such a long time. Yeah. So normally, normally I can't like, and also the other thing is for the first time, like the last two years. I realized what a privileged life we had. Because I could go to Cape Town whenever I want to. I want to mm. go to Durban whenever I want to. Like, it wasn't an issue. It was just there. It was a normal thing. Yeah. Like, it was... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, it's like, yo, shirt. I can't even buy my daughter a, a new game, for instance. Mm. So, it's, 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 a, it's a, a, a very... Yeah, it's something that... So now I'm staying in this flipping huge house all by myself, empty nest, basically. Yeah. So, uh, so now I'm, I'm I need to move to a, a smaller. And if it wasn't for COVID, I would probably be in Sudan right now or Senegal. Yeah. You know, like um, and doing those things. Um, you know, like we don't normally post on social media and Instagram and stuff, but um. Those things, I can't do those things anymore. Like, I can't just take a drive to uh, Swakubunt, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Whereas that was a normal thing. Like, go hike the Otter Trail. It's like a normal thing. But now that normality is like, it's uh, in your face now. Like, you, you can't. Because now COVID restrictions, um, because you don't have money. because Lots of factors. Lots of factors. So that's also a, 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 a thing. 
a thing. And then also relationships. Like, re- yes, I haven't been in a relationship for a hundred years, basically. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, we were having this conversation the other day. Um, and it was, you know, at the end of the day, when one looks at when one looks at the landscape, let's call it the single landscape. Mm, mm, uh, it's mm. like you know, rather stick with stick with what you know because it just looks hectic out there. And then add COVID, yeah, to, add like COVID that. to the equation where you you literally can't meet up with people. It's just it's, it's something like, else. Yeah, it's it's completely it's it's and then you know the funny thing is it's like for certain people. Um, it's it's the opposite. Like now they thrive in relationships. Or mm. there's lots of, of then you're like, where the where the hell did you meet these people? How even is this possible? Like I can't imagine how how. Um, and then and then also you meet the person and you really like the person and then you realize, fuck, I have lots of baggage. My heart is blocked. Um, and similarly to the next person, yeah. and and then. You you get to a point where it's stuck. We like ah now I can't go further. Uh, now what? You know, and then you just give up and you're like yeah let, let I rather just focus on my kids. And then uh, oh you try and rekindle re- rekindle old things and mm. and then you you met with rejection and then you don't know how to deal with that rejection. So yeah, brah, it's being an adult is hard. <laughs> Yeah, and no, it's 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 the dream that we're all sold. All, we always the adults told us, but we never listened. Uh, so it's one of those things where you actually have to go and experience it because it's like I look at my kids yeah. now and I'm like I'll say, do you not enjoy it? Eh? Like, mm. what you mean you want to go work? What you mean yeah. you want to do? You know, I want to make my own money. Nah, like. You're living rent no. free. You're living rent free right now. I mean, Bruh. I was I was joking the other day. I was tweeting the other day. So my daughter decides she's gonna fall asleep on the couch downstairs. I read that tweet, yeah. and then you asked her, "Who are you gonna? Who's gonna take you?" I'm to like, the "Yeah, bed? who's gonna and take I, you to bed?" She's like, "Ah, oh, but you." Yeah. So uh, again, I, I know that experience. I've, I've I've been there. I've been there where my daughter's like, "Yeah, now I want to sleep here now." But how are you gonna get to the? Uh, but you, my father, yeah. you must, must sort that out. I was like, uh, like, I wish my father was still around to carry me to bed. And she, she was like, what are you asking me such a stupid question for? Like, it's, it's very yeah, simple. Like, I'm going to sleep here and then you are going to take me to my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the way the I, world I, I, works. That's uh, the way the world works. But fortunately, our kids think like that. Yeah. Fortunately, our, our kids feel safe enough to think like that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's so true. Is, you is... know, and, and, and fortunately, uh, um, my kids specifically um, feel safe enough to tell me, yo, dad, you, you like Akim will call you out. No, you're being a, a stupid here now. What are you doing now? Like my daughter will call me out. She'll be like, no, um, don't project your emotions onto me. Uh, you need to go see a shrink. Like, wow. <laughs> she's seeing a shrink. So yeah. don't come project your emotions on me. I'm still a child. Why are you treating me like an adult? Um, don't come tell me about your emotional turmoil that you're going on. Um, so uh, uh, we're lucky that our kids can recognize that firstly. 
And secondly, although they don't, because imagine when we were growing up and you see your mother and father did not ever cry in front of you. Yeah, ever. that's true. They never cried in front of you. They never, there was always a strong thing like, yeah, to see your father cry or your mother cry, it was like you. And, and the only time I saw my mother, my mother also passed away when I was young, both my parents, as you know, my parents passed away when I was young, like my father nine, my stepfather 12, my mother when I was 18. And in that years, I only saw my mother cry twice. Once when my father died and the second time when my stepfather died. Sure. No and, other time. No and I, other I, time. I actually my... wrote about the fact that I, I don't think I ever saw my father cry. Yeah. And my father, my, have... my father's my only parent. My father died when I was, uh, what, 40, 40, yeah, 46, 45? I recently, I remember, I remember yeah. clearly. And, uh, and, and I, it occurred to me afterwards, I'm like, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen him cry. And I know he had been see. through some really heavy and tough times. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, same, same. I haven't seen, now I cry in front of my kids. And my kids is like, no, bruh, get it together now. <laughs> get it together. What nonsense is this? New parents are going to be crying. <laughs> it's like how the world's changed. Like, yeah. You've never seen. Yeah, the world's changed completely. And But now I realize what effect um, it has on kids when you don't show um, emotional strength. Mm. Yeah. So... Um, so no matter what you're going through as a parent, don't ever, ever let it show to your children because that is worse for them. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's that balance between, I think it's a balance between them seeing, seeing your journey vulnerability. And, and recognizing that you are on a journey like they are, um, but also, also being able to get through it. Because they yes. depend, they depend on you. You know, they depend on you to yes to be able to and 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 their feeling the is their feeling is like 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 and and I I can see it in your kids is like I'm not here to take you through that, bruh. You have to do that yourself. I'm your child. You have to take me when I'm feeling like that. Then you must take me. If you feeling like that, no, I can't take you, bruh. Step back. And that is the bottom line, what I've learned of having kids 10 years apart. Mm. Um, so what applies for Leia doesn't apply to Akin, and what applies to Akin doesn't apply to Leia. And that's a, a huge adjustment to end to be made. Yeah, I mean that's one of the, that's one of the things I think you you learn when you have more than one kid. So first of all, it's, it's also yeah. discovering that you can actually love wholeheartedly. Yes. Two, two different people. Like, it's, yes. it, it doesn't diminish. But at the same yeah. time, because they're different human beings, you have to modify how you do things. Yes. While not showing favoritism. And you know how difficult that is. Right? Because, because they absorb... I mean, I've seen it with my, with my kids where mm. my son will take things a lot more personally than my daughter yes. Yeah, um, but I I still need to need to reprimand them. They still both need to be reprimanded. Like it's you've yeah. done, you've messed up. You yes. need to get you you get a lecture for having messed up. 
Yeah. Um, but I can use the same tone, but one will be interpreted as me being unnecessarily harsh. And the other one yes. will be interpreted as, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I get no, you. I know like, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly that feeling. And also, when you show favoritism, um, when they defend each other, when they defend each other, my goodness, that's the worst. When both of them are on the, their side, and then you go, yeah, 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 yeah. that is the worst, bruh. Because, you know, they're close. They're very close. Mm-hmm. So if 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 I hurt Hakim, for, uh, luckily for me, Hakim has never been in trouble. Like, yes, touch wood. But he's old now, so I don't care. But <laughs> why? <laughs> but he's never been. I never, like, it was stupid stuff. Like, um, running on the field while... Uh, the, the 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 they play rugby game for instance mm. stupid stuff. It wasn't um layer also. It wasn't um uh, uh hectic stuff. But the, what you said about loving, you can't because you it's 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 yeah. What's this word? Go to you a wordsmith me. Like it's it's because uh, you love them the same. Yeah, but the way you show the love has to be different. Different, yeah. Uh, yes, has to be different. Otherwise, it's just gonna cause more. Co- and I didn't realize it. I'm only recently, only recently when Leia turned nine. Now I'm like, I can't do the same things I did with Hakim and uh, with Leia, thinking that I'm doing the right thing. For instance, yeah, yeah and and vice versa. So what's yeah, been so, interesting for me because my kids they're four years apart. So what's been interesting mm-hmm. is watching them become friends as my daughter grows yeah. older. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as as the younger one grows older, then they can start to have conversation. Like in the early yes. days, it was just the. Uh, but I'm now, it's, like now. it's watching them. You know, watching them become friends, which is which has yes. been quite interesting for me in terms of that journey. Yeah. The, the other thing is, and you'll see the protectiveness that comes out, how they mm. protect each other, the, how they, they protect each other, even to your detriment. You're the common problem, right? Like, the parent <laughs> is the common problem. <laughs> like, they're the children. Uh, you are the common problem. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. And it's the truth, though. It's, yeah, we are the common problem. And also the other thing is because um, uh, I have kids with two different people, that's also a different dynamic. Mm. That's a a huge difference. That's a different dynamic. And that also maybe plays part in the the depressive state, not the depressive state, because the decisions that you, you expect to be made is not the same, like, for instance, it would have been done in the past. So, yeah. yeah. The evolution. So, I mean, in terms of, we, so we know that we've, we've been through, well, not been through, we're going through this whole global mm. pandemic situation. And, mm. and mm. one of the things that I believe that we have to do is we just, each of us has to reflect on what's important. Um, Mm -hmm. and also just in terms of what makes sense in terms of how we, like how we do, do things and live. Um, Mm. so, so in terms of what's important, I mean, I think both you and I have 
both recognize what's important and our lives have been structured with that. Um, right. But what I'm finding is that I'm having to relook really at, let's call it work, because uh. I'm not building a career. Um, I'm, uh. yeah, and somebody was asking me the other day, you know, how have you navigated your career? I'm like, first of all, I'm not building a career, like I'm building a life. Right. Uh, yes. because I've done so many different things. So right. in, in terms of kind of where you are now with, you know, with the landscape in terms of gigs, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know, I, I, I saw you've been playing around in TikTok and all of these things. And I, I yeah. TikTok was the first time my, I had to get one of my children to show me how something works. Yeah, um, it, uh, all the time, all the time. So, so I mean, what, what is, what is kind of like, what does the next month look, next, they say six months or a year or two years or five years looking at for you in terms of, in terms of evolving, evolving how, within the environment that's also in change. So, so I mean, like, um, stand, stand, there's stand up, there's, well, there's comedy, there's, mm. I mean, there's all of these, there's storytelling, let's call it that. There's storytelling, because you're a storyteller, you just have particular meaning mediums that you've been using how are you looking at it going forward so you inspired me by um notes what's what's your book called uh, no i saw it listen, the other to, day. listen to your footsteps listen to your footsteps right the notes right so you inspired me i'm going to also attempt writing a book about okay. my story um so that's the first thing the, I, d- I didn't have a publisher or anything. I have a couple of chapters, but we'll get back to that. Um, at the end of this month, we're shooting another movie called The Umbrella Man with John Parker, the director of um, Bunny Child. You remember yeah. Bunny Child? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the director of Bunny Child, he did Spud and he did Spud 2. Um, we're starting to shoot uh, the end of September and I'm producer on that one. Um, it's about the Klopse band that, that robs the bank during the carnival. Okay. Um, uh, basically, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's... The, but, but the reasons for that is gentrification. So here's a couple of guys that's trying to save a culture. And mm-hmm. how do they save this culture? By using the culture to rob the bank during um, a heist, uh, during the carnival. So that's the, the, the movie that we're starting to shoot. Um, and in material two, new material that's releasing in November. Uh, and then there's another movie I did called The Gang that's releasing next year, February. And then hopefully, um, please God, uh, inshallah, that we'll shoot Bliss Patroli 2 um, with uh, me and David and Kakiso again, because um, okay. Bliss Patroli has been doing well on, on Netflix. And then other than that, I just want to move into a small place, get a small car, uh and and um grow old basically like read more books uh and and do stand up when the opportunity is there i yeah. like the the one thing that i've realized is in covid you need to create an opportunity to do stand up yeah and yeah and i think i'm past that because i it's too much emotional investment because I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I do it because I love doing it. I, I love to do stand-up. I always love to do stand-up. And, 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 and I'll always do it with enjoyment. And it's always the best thing for me. And whatever comes from it, money, but that's a bonus. So, so when it comes to stand-up, I'm, I don't think I'm going to create opportunities to do the stand-up. But if there is opportunities to do the stand-up, I will. I will. So 
that's where uh, in next five years hopefully my son will Akim will be finished with his degree and he'll probably move to Tokyo or somewhere Cambodia or some shit like that um, and then yeah and then I'll be just a solid um, parent for my daughter yeah. and that's that mm. cool thanks my man mm. thank you for having me Kojo Buffo the people that don't know are you still doing poetry this guy I haven't yeah, done poetry guy. I haven't done poetry in like 10 years bro I haven't even been writing really like I I, I included a couple in the book, just a couple of mm. poems. Um, uh, but yeah, I keep saying one day I'll go back. Like, or one day I'll, yeah. one day I'll do it. But the getting on the stage part, I don't know. Eh? Yeah. So what was on the second? And for the, the listeners that don't know, <laughs> this is a bad thing to say. But the first person I ever saw in real life with cornrows, the first person I saw <laughs> with cornrows in real life, in real life, not in in real life, was Gojo Buffo. Because the other people, because you normally see it on TV and you saw that time it was um, that a studio mix. Uh, you normally see it on studio mix and you normally see those people um, exhibit. Uh, he had it. And then in real life, ah, there's a guy that's got Gojo real life. My goodness. Hey, it was, yeah, it was something strange to me. Yeah. yeah cool, my man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast. Please do subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening and share with friends you feel would enjoy the conversation as well. I'd appreciate comments, thoughts on my site, kojobuffer.com. To be able to build and grow this podcast and and, and get a sense of kind of where we're going, um, your input is extremely important. One of the things that I've been thinking of doing is running a couple of ad hoc episodes where I answer or respond to any questions that you may have. So if you do have any type of questions, please do send them to me on my site or on various social media platforms. I'm available on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and maybe with enough questions, I can get to do an episode um, where I share my views uh, beyond just, you know, beyond just sharing the views of of some of the people that I get to interview. I get to share my views, a lot of which are in my book with you, my faithful listener. I'm hoping that there are a lot of faithful and growing listeners out there. But have yourselves a great one and I'll be back with the next episode soon. Thank you.